This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of Something Rhymes With Purple, the podcast all about words and language and our joy in both. And with me as ever is my co-presenter, Giles Brandreth. I'm Susie Dent, by the way, but Giles, hello. It's good to be with you. I feel I've rather been two-timing you this week because, well, I have you, because of our podcast, I have you, I see you every week, but also I have you in my head all the time because (laughs) we do this podcast virtually. You are in Oxford. Oxford, and I am in London, usually, and uh, so we hear each other on our headphones. I see you on the screen, but because I hear you, I hear you in my head, so you're with me every day. But every evening recently, I have been two-timing you because I've been sitting on a sofa with my friend, the actress Joanna Lumley. Uh We, We are doing something together called Celebrity Gogglebox. Oh, yes. This is a favourite of yours. Yeah. It is a favourite of mine. And I began doing it a few years ago. I began doing it with another very distinguished actress, Dame Sheila Hancock, who is a wonderful person. She's brilliant, actually. And she's just published a book which I do recommend called Old Rage. It's both autobiography and diary and her getting angry at the way she finds the world as she enters her 90th year. She is formidable. And we began doing the podcast together, I think it was almost at the beginning of of lockdown. And I felt the pair of us sitting, the world was sort of shutting up and we were sitting on a sofa doing this program. If people don't know about it, and it is now an international program, essentially they film people watching television. (laughs) That's the long and the short of it. Uh, And we sat there on the sofa together, uh, getting hooked on most unlikely programs like Naked Attraction, me and the lady in her 90th year. And I suddenly, one day, I found this lady in her 90th year trying to explain to me what a fanny flutter was. I thought this is quite unreal. Anyway, uh, I did it with her, then I did it with Maureen Lipman, and immediately after I'd done the program with each of them, they were both made dames. Aha. That's the effect I seem to have. So people have been pleading, actresses have been pleading to come on the um, program with me this year. (laughs) Um, So they thought, well, we don't want any of that nonsense, so we'll give him a dame. And so Dame Joanna Lumley and I have been doing the podcast. I am happy to share you with Joanna Lumley. And I also would like to share you with some of your favourite things from the past today, not just favourite things from the present or favourite people from the present, because we're going to talk about toys today, uh, which is one of my favourite subjects, because I think it's a bit like asking people what their favourite children's TV programme was, or indeed their favourite word. It will always bring back such lovely, lovely memories. And so I have to ask you, do you have a favourite toy still? And uh, do you keep it with you? And and why is it I have favorite? so many favourite toys. And indeed, the reason I was mentioning uh, Joanna, because 
because I was going to lead into the fact that I think there is a toy version of the character of Patsy <laughs> that she played oh, yes. in Absolutely, Absolutely Fabulous, fabulous. Uh, which was a kind of Barbie doll. I do have, believe it or not, a Barbie doll given to me by Barbie herself. Ken and Barbie were real people. And about 40 years ago, I met them. I hosted a conference or something, some marketing event in London, and they were the guests of honour. So I met Ken and Barbie, Mm -hmm. which is pretty fantastic. But I can't say that they are my favourite toys, but I do have a lot of toys from my childhood. I have puppets, string puppets, made by a company called Pelham Puppets, P-E-L-H-A-M, lovely string puppets, including Mr Turnip, who was a a childhood character from the 1950s. But of course, my favourite toys are teddy bears. And I have a teddy bear collection that now lives in England, in Yorkshire, at Newby Hall near Ripon. More than a thousand bears are there. Let's dig into the world of toys. Can I just we... show you something before we yeah, start digging please. in? Can you see what I'm showing you on the camera yes. now? This is me in Barbie form. Oh, um, my goodness. I think there's only one of them, unfortunately. But this is a Barbie of me, which includes, it says on the packet, a pocket dictionary, knowledge of every word in the dictionary, exclamation mark and uh, this is a little version of me complete with an Oxford dictionary and a countdown mug because it was produced as a prop for 8 out of 10 cats just countdown oh it's just a one off yes. show it to me again I want to see it again I want to see it again it's fantastic <laughs> I want you as a Barbie I want Susie as a Barbie <laughs> that, they should market that to make a fortune all the purple people would want one. Oh, it, it's just it was a lovely thing so I try and keep as many props as I can I've got some Lego of the set um, upstairs as well which is another toy that was my absolute favourite. But you're right, should we start with toy itself? Let's start with toy itself. People uh, tuning in uh, to Something Rhymes with Purple, you cannot at the moment get this Barbie doll of Susie <laughs> Dent, but I will be working on it because I think it's such a <laughs> lovely idea, complete with countdown mug and, and, and dictionary. There is a Giles Bear that oh, is, uh, is no longer made, but it was made Aww. when we opened our teddy bear museum in the 1980s. And it's become a bit of a collector's item. Oh, with knitwear, so I'm sure. See the, yes, exactly. Exactly. It's got a mm. it's got a jolly jumper on. You can see the the price on eBay. Okay. Wow. Let's okay. let's maybe start with toy and teddy. What's the origin of the word toy? Well, yes, toy is a little bit like boy, in fact. We know it goes back to the Middle Ages, but we don't quite know where it came from. But its original meaning is quite different to how it is today because it was a funny story or remark. And then a little bit later, a toy was a trick or some kind of gimmicky, frivolous entertainment. And the the usual modern sense, so the object that we're going to talk about today for a child to play with, that dates back to the late 16th century. It's a little bit later, but we don't quite know where it comes from, uh, which is fascinating because it's such a you know, such a classic. And when it comes to uh, Teddy Bear, you you know this absolutely. In fact, did you ever meet him? Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> very good. Theodore Roosevelt, yes. President of the United States at the turn of the 20th century. And he was on a hunting expedition. He was a, a keen hunter. And he was on a hunting expedition in Smeeds County, Mississippi, in around 1903, that sort of time. And he uh, spared the life of a bear cub. And a political cartoon appeared the following day in or a few days afterwards in the Washington Post or Washington newspaper. And that inspired a toy maker, toy 
shop in New York, a man called Morris Mictom, speaking from memory, to write to the White House and say, I want to create a bear and I want to call it uh, Teddy's Bear after the president. May I have permission to do so? And the president said yes. And originally, the teddy bear was known as Teddy's Bear uh, for Mm -hmm. the first few years. Uh, And they originated sort of soft toy bears that were uh, collectible toys uh, at about the same time in Europe and in America. And so there's a competition as to where they do they first come from the famous German company of Steiff, who certainly made bears at this exactly same period as this man in New York was creating his Teddy's Bear. Uh-huh. But the Teddy Bear is not named after Edward VII, as some people think. Teddy, Edward VII, it's Those not get, named that, after He him. gave his Teddy Boys, didn't he? Because the style oh, of a Teddy Boy was based on the fashions current during his reign. Yeah, those uh-huh. kind of drain pipe trousers and the long velvet coloured velvet collared jackets and hair in a quiff. Oh, so the teddy boy is Edward VII, but the teddy bear is Teddy Roosevelt, Roosevelt, uh, Theodore Roosevelt, related to FDR Roosevelt, but not father or grandfather. Okay, so that's the teddy bear, that's the toy. Well, dolls, I mean, dolls, until the teddy bear came along, I mean, the great joy of the teddy bear is that it has been a toy that has been, uh, has appealed to both genders. Whereas traditionally, I think, dolls were given to girls rather than boys, I think, in times gone by. that's right, because it's a pet form of Dorothy, uh, essentially. And Dorothy became a generic word, and it's shortening doll, for a man's pet or a lover. So it was a sort of slightly diminutive, slightly patronising, I suppose, nickname, uh, my my doll. But I think used very neutrally. It's just patronising when we look back at it. And the sense the small model of a human figure goes back to the late 17th century. And up until then, before people used doll, they used poppet or puppet to refer to the child's toy. Oh. So poppet or puppet, I mean, a puppet is a puppet. I think of a puppet as two forms of puppet. There's the marionette, which is a stringed puppet. That's a French word, isn't it? It is. Uh, What's the origin of that, I wonder? Marionette. Puppets I've always found absolutely terrifying, even though when I was given pocket money to go to Hamley's, a puppet was the first thing that I bought. But marionette is another diminutive of a girl's name, so it's diminutive of Marie. Ah, yeah. you you mentioned Hamleys. For our international listeners, this is an amazing toy shop in Regent Street, has been around for a very long time. And because I like to tell anecdotes, in the 1970s, it was up for sale and I and a group of others tried to buy it. Really? And we could have bought it for a million pounds. That's <gasps> all we needed to buy. We couldn't raise a million pounds. Well, that's we, a lot when, of money in those it, days. It was a, a great deal of money, but it yeah. would be worth a great well, deal more today. now. It was a brilliant brand name, brilliant location in Regent Street. Anyway, we failed, but I I love Hamleys as a store. What's the puppet you bought? I bought a witch puppet. Uh Um, So I remember this very, very well. Every Christmas, we would get five pounds, which was an absolute fortune. And we would get a day trip to Hamleys to go and spend it. And this particular Christmas, I went and for some unknown reason. I still don't quite understand why I did this. I bought one of those bags. Do you remember these? That if you threw them or if you tapped them, they reproduced this really horrible sound of laughter. They were laughing bags. Do you remember these? No, I don't. That was literally their sole function. And once you'd heard it once, 
the joke was, I mean, I have no idea why I bought this. Anyway, so I got, I, I got home, cried my eyes out because I realised it was a mistake. And my parents, lovely as they were, took us back to Hemley's. And I swapped the laughing bag for a witch puppet. And I, I did used to give little puppet shows, but she was quite, she was a bit like the Wicked Witch of the West from The Wizard of Oz. Was she a glove puppet? No, she was one with, oh. um, you know, the full strings and the and the full sort of... Yes, that's what I would call top. that a marionette now. Okay, yeah, probably. Because I think technically it probably is a marionette. Whereas yeah. I think of puppets myself as glove puppets. Okay. Um, though, I mean, Muppet, I mean, the word Muppet, was was that created for the Muppets, for those characters that are Muppets? Um, Muppet has been in the dictionary for a while, actually, ah. I think. But it was the name given to Jim Henson's brilliant characters. That, and they were puppets. It's and marionettes, I think, weren't they? And certainly the use of Muppet to mean a fool, as in you Muppet, that does go back to um, to those characters. But I think possibly it had been around a little bit before then. I think you know that Jim Henson gave me personally the original Fozzie Bear, which now lives with oh. my collection. It's amazing, isn't it? The original Fozzie Bear Lucky was... Okay, yeah, I met him and I, it was at the time I was setting up the Teddy Bear Museum and I told him about it and he said, would you like the original Fozzie Bear? I said, I would love, we would love. And so it came in a kind of... It was huge. It is huge. It came. It was like having a coffin delivered. This enormous box <laughs> arrived and inside, lying there, was the original Fozzie Bear. And he is now on display at Newby Hall in North Yorkshire near Ripon. Much to the disgust of Frank Oz, who I think did the voice of Fozzie Bear originally and, and worked it. He couldn't believe that Jim Henson could have done such a thing as to give me a Fozzie. But he did. And he Fozzie is staying in this country uh, at our teddy bear museum at Newby Hall until the Americans release the original Winnie the Pooh, currently in the New York Public Library Children's Branch. When it can come over to Britain for a holiday, I will let Fozzie Bear return to America. Ah, oh, that's complicated. Um, it's a complicated one. What? But yeah, well, not complicated, but it sounds like you're very determined. I'm determined, I'm... and diplomatic workings are going on. <laughs> um, puppet, is that to do with the French poupée? Just to go back to the Muppet, yeah, I have gone. looked it up, and actually, Jim Henson did coin it, so I was Ooh. wrong. It hadn't been around before him. And he claimed it was arbitrary, but quite early on in the 19th, 1950s, the explanation did come about that it was a blend of marionette and puppet. So there ah, you go. So marionette and puppet gives you Muppet. And am I right in thinking that puppet comes from poupe, the French for doll? Yes, directly to us, but ultimately the Latin pupa, P-U-P, uh, sometimes with a double P-A, which meant a girl or a doll. And I will then remind you, of course, of the pupil of the eye, so-called, because it was a pupilla, a little doll, because when you look into the eyes of someone else, you see a tiny doll-like reflection of yourself. Oh, Sorry, I, I know I've mentioned that so many times on Purple, but it's just so beautiful. You can go on mentioning it forever. It's so lovely. Does this in some way link to butterflies and pupis and the... Turning of a Christmas. Yeah, absolutely. Into, the pupa yeah. of a butterfly is the sort of the young stage, if you like, um, as well. So it goes back to that idea of a, of a tiny thing, a tiny creature. Oh, I'm as pleased as Punch to hear that. Mm. Pleased Stop, as Punch, it? Punch, oh. Punch and Judy. I loved as a child Punch and Judy. Totally. I mean, so politically incorrect, you can't believe oh, it now. Grief. The Punch the and Judy beating. shows of my childhood, there was wife beating, mm. there was a hanging, I think. Did yeah. Somebody got, was it Mr. Punch got hanged? Oh. Uh, there, there was police brutality. I mean, it was just extraordinary. And yet we sat on the beach, oh, and there's the funny noise that Mr. Punch made caused by an instrument in the mouth known as a swazzle. Anyway, explain to us, first of all, about punch 
And then we'll come on to the swazzle. Well, Punchinello is where Punch comes from. And Punchinello was a character in the Italian theatre and the very famous comedy genre called the Commedia dell'arte. And we've talked about this before because from there we got words like pantaloon and harlequin and all sorts of things. But Punchinello was a character in this and then came over to the Punch and Judy puppet show that, that you know, we've been talking about that we remember from our, our youth. And Lots and lots of expressions came into English based on punch. There was as proud as punch, as mute as punch, but most enduring of all, as pleased as punch. And you remember, he was so hook-nosed and ugly, wasn't he? He would grotesquely smile, um, but he always seemed to be quite sort of triumphant. So if you're as pleased as punch, you're a little bit smug with it. He had a hump on his back, uh, a huge nose, yeah. and he was clearly a wife beater. Poor Judy. Why was she called Judy? Was that is that a familiar name? She for, really well, don't know. That's a very good point. I have no idea why she was called Judy. Um, okay, so it's late 18th century, familiar form of Judith, but it did also sometimes mean a fool or a simpleton. So maybe she was seen uh, as being a stooge. Oh, not very nice, really. Can I just ask about the word swazzle? As I do remember, um, to create the noise that Mr. Punch makes, that's the way to do it, that's the way to do it. That's what he would cry as he was beating somebody with his um, uh, slapstick. And that noise was made possible by something called a swazzle. Yeah. What is the origin of that? Do you know? You probably have yeah, to look so it up. It's, it's, I'm looking in the dictionary now because I didn't know. It says an instrument consisting of two convex metal pieces bound together with a length of tape stretched from side to side between them, held in the mouth of the puppeteer and used to produce the characteristic squeaking voice of Mr. Punch. And it tells us that it's a variant of Swatchel, which is in turn from the German Schwatzen, meaning to chatter or tattle. That sounds very Yiddish, that actually, but Schwatzen, to chatter or tattle, which is kind of what I suppose it was reproducing. I've known a number of Punch and Judy men. And they've all claimed that in the excitement of a performance, they've once or more than once in their lives swallowed their swazzle. Oh, yeah, Good can you grief. imagine? Exactly. Yeah. They've retrieved it eventually, um, which is why whenever you meet a puppeteer who offers to lend you his or her swazzle, don't bother don't. it. Don't uh, bother it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. What about the yo-yo? I loved a yo-yo when I was a child. Were you good at yo-yoing? Yes, I wasn't bad. I bet it you takes a while, though. Do you remember those toys called Kanokas? No, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Tell me more about your Knockers. They were the, I don't actually know what the official name was, but at school we called them Knockers until they were banned. They were those two very hard balls, a bit like kind of very big conkers. Oh, I know exactly what you and mean. They, they, would be, they clanked together. Yes, and sort of held a little bit like a puppet, actually, but you would strike the air with it very forcefully. And uh, anyway, yeah, those didn't last long at, at our school, but I did absolutely love Knockers. Anyway, yo-yos. Um, toys resembling yo-yos have been around since ancient China and Greece, apparently, but the name is said to come from the Philippines. And that's as much as we know. I don't know the uh, the ultimate etymology of this, but obviously in English, uh, it, I think it came in around 1915. And then much later, it became a verb meaning to move up and down and, you know, you yo-yo all over the place, don't you? But yeah, t t toys resembling them have been around for a very, very long time. Can I ask you how you spell yo-yo? Is there a hyphen in the middle? Yes, according to the dictionary, there is. Uh, and it's now a proprietary name, apparently, in the UK. Really? Mm. Really? I find, well, I'm in good grief. They've yeah. done well to manage to get that. And the reason I ask is because we try to avoid, I play 
international listeners may have heard this radio show on Radio 4 called Just a Minute. And we try to avoid the word yo-yo because it sounds as if it's a repetition of yo and you're not allowed in this game. Oh, how funny. Just a minute, you're not allowed to If it's hyphenated, I think you'll be okay. Let me just check it in the current dictionary because in the OED, it definitely is. But as we know, things change and it may be that in the current dictionary, the hyphen has dropped off like so often. Let me just check. No, it's still hyphenated. Good, it's still hyphenated. So I think you can get away with yo-yo on just a minute. What were your hobbies as a child? Uh, well, puppeteering clearly was one. Yeah, I can tell you what my toys were. So I, my hobbies were quite solo ones. I like I like sort of solitude. I'd take off on my bike and go and explore. I would go collecting conkers, etc. On my own, because lived in the countryside. But I, my favourite toys were I had this sort of ride along little dog, also called Susie. I mean, how inventive! Um, and well, I talked about knockers. I also used to love the game of jacks. You remember that? Jacks, which I were those do. little... Yeah, and you shapes. threw them up in the air. Uh, yeah. you, th- you threw a ball threw up a ball. in the air and then had to pick up some jacks. Yes. Oh, um, you can still get... I, I bought some of those for, for my two quite um, well, a few years ago. And why it's still they, why, just as compelling. Why are those little metal things called jacks? They're little sort of prongs. Yeah, just, it's just... You remember anything that we can't quite find a name for, we call we it called a jack. We a jack. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you mentioned hobby. That's quite a nice one. So a hobby in the 14th and 15th century was a horse. And it was one of many nicknames for Robert, which also actually gave us Dobbin, which is another name for a horse. So hobby was used on its own for the horse, but also in the 16th century, people began to uh, use it for a horse costume that was used by Morris dancers. And so a hobby horse came to mean the child's toy that you can still get today, which is a stick with a horse's head that you straddle and ride along. Yeah, or you just kind of skip along as though you're riding a horse. And it's from there that the word came to mean not just a toy, but a kind of favourite pursuit, if you like, or a pastime, but not not of a child necessarily, but also of an adult. So it's like a grown-up's toy horse, if you like. I loved the top I had. I had a humming top that didn't just... People have wooden tops and they've been around, I know, for years. But this, you sort of... It was metal. And as you put the... Press the top down, it made it spun. And it also had a wonderful hum, a lovely noise to it. Um, Why was it called a top, I wonder? Yeah, a spinning top. Now, I can tell you why we sleep like a top. It's because when a top stops spinning, it's incredibly still. So if you sleep like a top, then you uh, you sleep in, you know, in absolute sort of motionless serenity. But if I look it up here, it says of unknown origin um, for the kind of conical spherical toy that you spin. We don't know why. Unfortunately. I mentioned before Barbie, didn't I? And maybe after the break, we should talk about other names that have been made that are associated with toys. But before we do Barbie, I do remember meeting Barbie and Ken. And I think they were husband and wife. uh, But I can't remember what her surname was. I mean, it was a real person. She is the origin of it, isn't it? Okay, let me have a look. Um, American businesswoman Ruth Handler is credited with the creation of the doll. Yes, Barbie's full name apparently is Barbara Millicent Roberts. And Ken, I'm sure, was her Ken husband. Ken Carson, yes. Yeah. Anyway, I, I met them. They were very, very nice people, quite American, it must be said. And they didn't seem interested. I told them about Cindy. They weren't interested. I think Cindy was a rival <laughs> product. Uh, they didn't want to know about that at all. Okay, Let's, we'll, we'll have a break and then we'll talk about some of those extraordinary brands that have taken over the world. Lego. 
There's even a country called Lego now, apparently. I ought to mention, you know, that we currently, before we disappear, we currently have 20% off on all our stock in our online store. We've got amusing merch that people might like if you're an enthusiastic purple person. Go to the link in the episode description and uh, or, or Google uh, Contraband Shop. Uh, that's contraband spelt with a K. Contraband Shop, something rhymes with purple. And we've got T-shirts and mugs and totes available while stocks last. An official message from Medicare. A new law is helping me save more money on prescription drug costs. Maybe you can save too. With Medicare's Extra Help program, my premium is zero and my out-of-pocket costs are low. Who should apply? Single people making less than $23,000 a year or married couples who make less than $31,000 a year. Even if you don't think you qualify, it pays to find out. Go to ssa.gov slash extra help. Paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Welcome back. During the break, we've been having a discussion here about Ken and Barbie. And I'm explaining to uh, Susie that years ago, I did a promotion for Mattel Toys, who are the people who create or manufacture Barbie and Ken. And I definitely met Ken and Barbie. I've got pictures of me with them. And Susie is now suggesting that maybe these were just actors playing the roles of these fictional characters. And But I, I'm convinced that they were related in some way, that maybe Ken was the was the son of Barbie or, or the son of the creator Ruth Handler. I, I'm sure I met real people, and I'm sure if, they if, were real. <laughs> I just didn't know if they were. You know, they were just kind of wearing a costume, like Wonder it's Woman. Exactly, it's like me going to Disney World and meeting Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse and thinking they're the real thing. Um, but, so, if, if you happen to be a Ken or Barbie or relations of theirs, or if you happen to be the current marketing manager for Mattel Toys, would you? please get in touch with us and put us right on this. I will try and to please, find can a can we picture. have some Jazz and Susie Barbie dolls as well? Oh, we would love that. Um, <laughs> we would love that. And and if you want to get in touch, it's purple, P-U-R-P-L-E, at um, somethingelse.com. And something is spelled without a G. Yes. Now, should we whiz through some brand names? Oh, yes, do. Tell me. Because there's some fun ones in the world of toys. Uh, and I mentioned Lego because I have from the uh, set of 8 out of 10 Cats Just Countdown, the comedy show that I work on, some Lego. And it's a recreation of the Countdown set made oh. by the most brilliant guy called Steve Guinness, who's oh. called the Brick Consultant. And he just specialises in making bespoke Lego scenes. And they're absolutely wonderful. But do you know where Lego comes from? No. Okay. It's Scandinavian, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Danish. Uh, Danish, and I'm probably going to pronounce this all wrong, even though I love Borgen and various other Danish series. Uh, leg gut, meaning play well, uh, uh, essentially. So that's what Lego, and of course, Ludo means I play. Of course. Uh, from the Latin. So that's Lego. Meccano, did you have Meccano as a boy? I wasn't very good at it. It was all mechanical. Okay. I could never get the bits of Meccano to stick together. I wasn't very good with a spanner. Okay, well, you've touched on the origin at least because it is an invented word suggested by mechanic. Ah. Um, how about Skelextric, which is the word a bit like espresso we all get wrong. No, I wasn't good at that. Can I tell you, as a child, I was much more into puppets, marionettes, okay. um, that sort of thing. Barbie dolls, I love that. <laughs> that was my that was my world. Scale electrics. Okay. They were my younger brother was. These were fast cars that were on grooves and, and sped around. 
around, yes. weren't they? Yeah. Yes, and they, they were made by Scalex. So they were a range of cars fitted with an electric motor, which gives you the trick bit at the end. Okay, I'm determined to find something used to play. What about the Rubik's Cube? Of course, I love the Rubik's Cube. Okay, I'm But I was grown up by the time that came along. Yes, can you do it? I, I just can't. And it's extraordinary. I can't. I've got grandchildren aged sort of eight and ten who can do it virtually in the dark. I mean, in seconds. Extraordinary. I know. We had a fantastic countdown contestant once who could do it in um, literally a matter of seconds. And this is Erno Rubik. I remember that. We've talked about it before. From Hungary. Uh, Exactly. Um, What about Play-Doh? My younger brother again played with Play-Doh. I used to like the smell of Play-Doh. Yes. Mm. It was originally invented as a cleaning product used to wipe soot from wallpaper, believe it or not. But then as... The sort of the use for that uh, or the need for that decreased because coal-based home heating then switched to natural gas. So they thought, ah, what are we going to do with this? And uh, I think it was a nursery school teacher who decided to embark on some art projects with a wallpaper cleaning putty and her students really enjoyed it. And then she persuaded her brother-in-law to essentially manufacture it as a child's toy and the rest is history, as they say. I'll tell you who I did love, Mr. Potato Head. Oh, isn't he in Toy Story, Mr. Potato Head? I think the only thing that I know about Mr. Potato Head is that he was the first toy ever advertised on telly. Yeah, didn't you have a Mr. Potato Head? I don't think I did, but oh, I think one of my time. kids did after Toy Story. Oh, yeah. because it's essentially you take a potato and then there are all these plastic bits you can form eyebrows and eyes and a nose. I loved it. Yes, I loved I Mr. Did you. Potato Head. Mm. Well, that's it, I think, for our little foray into toys. I'm sure there's absolutely loads that we haven't covered. I think we'll come back to it. And if there are areas okay. of, of your childhood that you want us to explore, please, um, purple people, do get in touch with us. People do get in touch with us on a regular basis. And they get in touch with us from all over the world, which is exciting. I think our first communication this week comes from Australia, doesn't it? Hey, Susie and Giles. Greetings from Sydney, Australia. Thanks to shows like Bridgerton, we're increasingly hearing the term rake. A rake seems to be the ideal catch for a lady, but to me, a rake seems to be a man that's gotten around a bit and a man that today we might call a player, a man women are encouraged to avoid. Are they the same thing or is something good about a man implied in the word rake that I'm missing? Also, where does the word come from? On a related note, this also leads me to ask, where did the word ton come from? Thanks, Sophie Rosman. Have you been watching Bridgerton, Giles? I haven't. There's so many okay. things I haven't got round to. I mean, I'm still watching reruns of Rumpole of the Bailey. I mean, <laughs> I'm locked in the past. This new stuff has passed me by. Although I have, I, I did like the first series of Emily in Paris. Oh, yes. I know that was a favourite hit too. Okay, so I'm going to start with the rake. A rake is a fashionable, rich and pretty immoral man. So Sophie's right on that score, which you might not know. It's an abbreviation of the word rake hell, which came about in the mid 16th century. And a rake hell was a sinful sort of person that you would find if you searched through hell with a rake. And um, you'll remember rake's progress. So rake's progress is used in English to mean a progressive decline, especially as a result of self-indulgence. And a rake's progress, capital R, capital P, was a series of engravings by William Hogarth, the artist from the 18th century. And that depicted the progression of the rake, uh, the rake hell, from wealth, wealthy and privileged origins to despair and debt and ultimately death on the gallows. So all a bit grim. So that's the rake. And then Sophie also mentions 
ton. Now, I have to say thank you so much for this, Sophie, because I had never, even though it's been in the dictionary since, well, the first record is 1769, I had no idea about this. The ton, Giles, I don't know if you know this, means the fashion, the vogue, the mode of the time. Well, this, I guess this is going to come from the French, ton. To have ton is to have a bit of class, to have a bit of style. Yes. Uh, is that right? Yes. And for a while it was bon ton. Ah, bon ton. Bon ton. Ah, yeah, good, so good, good, good style, good, term. good fashion. Yeah. And in 1769, Lloyd's Evening Post says, the present fashionable ton, a word used at present to express everything that's fashionable, is a set of French puppets. So that was the latest ton. And, and I think you should uh, pronounce it yeah. with a French lilt. Because it's like chic. You know, oh, a certain, okay. it has a certain ton about it. It's ton yeah. rather than ton, I think. Ton, ton. and the beau monde. Yeah, you're the probably beau monde right. has a certain ton. Chic. Ah, c'est chouette, yes. hein? <laughs> Sibling of tone, as you guessed. So it, it means the sort of correct tone, the correct colouring, the correct pitch. It's just, just so. And I should say transferred sense of people of fashion or fashionable society. So from that specific one single fashion that it was used for, it then came to be transferred to fashionable society in general. Thank you, Sophie, for being in touch. If you've got a, a query or want us to explore any particular area of the world of words and language, just get in touch. Uh, we are purple at somethingelse.com. Susie, at this time in the podcast, always shares three unusual, interesting words with us. What's your trio this week, Susie? Uh, well, the first two today are fairly similar, but there is a distinction and it's all about arguments, really. The Latin phrase, tu quoque, so that's T-U, and then the next word is Q-U-O-Q-U-E, tu quoque. And that is an argument that essentially throws back the same or similar charge to an accuser. In other words, you reverse the charge and say, you know, no, that's not me. That's you. And it's very similar to my second word, which is much in vogue in social media. And that's whataboutery. Have you heard that? Whataboutery. And that is the technique of responding to an accusation meant raised against you or made against you or or just a difficult question by making a counter accusation or raising a different issue, not the same one, but raising something else. So you dodge the initial question and then throw back another accusation at, at the other person without answering the first one, if that makes sense. What aboutery? So uh, I've seen that mentioned a lot on social media recently and uh, particularly sums up quite a lot of social media discussions, actually. A what aboutery? It's rather good work. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And the last one is just um, something I was reminded of while trying to brush my cat who is molting like mad at the moment everywhere. And this wasn't what I was trying to brush off. Her vibrissae, V-I-B-R-I-S-S-A-E, vibrissae. And those are the stiff hairs that grow around the face of many mammals, such as cats, whiskers and hers, I have to say. It's my lovely rescue cat from Battersea. Hers are so long. I'm in whisker envy. I have to say, I do love a cat. Yours oh, yeah. is from the Battersea Dogs and Cats Home, a rescue Yours is cat. from next door. And ours is from next door. Nala from next door. She's been with us for years now, and we just adore her. We just oh. love her. Well, those are three fantastic words. And I've got a short poem. I've decided I was going to do a serious poem today because, as I mentioned last time, I'm doing this um, Commonwealth poetry podcast where my daughter and I are traveling virtually around the, the Commonwealth. And for our first 
episode, we, we began in Clarence House with the Duchess of Cornwall and some lovely English poems. And we're now going around the country. And I was going to do a poem this week from Rwanda. Uh, but I, uh, where, which is where we're going. And then next week, we're going to St. Kitts and Nevis, and then we're going on to Cameroon, Solomon Islands, Australia. It's an amazing trip. But I think the poem is a little too serious for a playful day that we've had. It's been like having a, a play date with you, yes. Susie, playing with our toys, going back to our childhood. So I thought I would find a playful poem to end with. Uh, and this is one of my favourite playful poems by Ogden Nash. Um, it's got words in it that I think are homophones. Homophone is one with the same sound, isn't it? Even though the yes. word might mean something a little bit different. Words that are pronounced the same but are spelt differently are homophones. So uh, this is just an amusing poem uh, called A Flea and a Fly by Ogden Nash. It's quite short. A flea and a fly in a flu were imprisoned. So what could they do? Said the fly, let us flee. Let us fly, said the flea. So they flew through a flaw in the flu. <laughs> that's brilliant. It's a nice one, I isn't love it? That. Playing with language. That's what we do. Oh, that's what we do. And if you like playing with language, do, you know, follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, or whatever you get your podcasts and, and recommend us to friends and do get in touch via purple at something else.com. And actually even consider joining the Purple Plus Club because we have bonus episodes. If you like poetry, for example, we're doing a series on the moment, at the moment, taking us through different poets from, from A. We began with W.H. Auden. I bet you we end up with Benjamin Zephaniah. What we're going to do when we get to Q&X, I don't know. But anyway, we're, we're having fun doing that. And yes, if you would like to join us, uh, which we would love, obviously, you can find all the details on our programme descriptions. Something Rhymes with Purple is a Something Else production produced by Lawrence Bassett and Harriet Wells with additional production from Jen Mystery, Jay Beale and, and... The fellow who flew through a floor in the flu with the fly and the flea, it's Gunny. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.